James chapter 4. And if you would please um, get ready to put verse 17 up on the screen. James 4, 17. Are you doing, is that like the online stream? Cool, I'm hearing myself. Um, you know what? Sean could probably help you. Did you just want to get the volume down or something? Or It's okay. Okay. Well, thank you for sharing it, though. Thank you. James chapter 4, and we're going to read verse 17 again to get started tonight. So James, by the Holy Spirit, says, for, Therefore to him, or her that knows to do good and doesn't do it, to him or her, it is sin. Okay, he said, him that knows to do good. You know there's something good that the Lord wants you to do or that you should do. If you don't do it, it's called the sin of omission. You're omitting doing something that you know you should do. That's different than the sin of commission where you're committing a sin you know you shouldn't do. You're doing something bad that you know you shouldn't do. That's the sin of commission. That's not what this verse is. This verse is talking about the sin of omission. He that knows to do good and doesn't do it, to him it's sin. And we wanted to start this series off with this because in my personal experience of over 30 years pastoring the church, I have come to realize there are a bunch of sins of commission that people would like to get free from. They're committing this. They're committing that. I don't know why I did this. Oh, I can't believe I did that. Oh, I can't believe I did this. They're committing certain sins that they know they shouldn't be committing. And it's all because they're omitting some sins that's keeping them weak. That's causing them to not be in a position of resisting. Sins of omission, not doing certain things the Lord tells us to do, makes us weak when temptation and challenges come our way. And I'm gonna, we're going to talk about one of those sins of omission tonight that we really, really want to make sure we're not omitting anymore because omitting this good thing is the reason for so many slip-ups and falls and problems with committing acts of sin because they're not strong enough to resist. And that is the, that is the sin of not being filled with the Holy Spirit, not living a Spirit-filled life. This is a very serious thing in the body of Christ. There are, peop- there are Christians everywhere losing left and right when temptation comes their way, when attacks of sickness come their way, when attacks of oppression come their way. And it's for one simple reason, they're not strong enough and built up enough to resist it. It's not a lot of times that people are bad. A lot of it is people just are empty. They're weak. They don't have the strength they needed to have before that attack came their way. And uh, now in the area of sin, a lot of times the devil will throw temptation your way. And he's hoping, he's hoping that you haven't been praying in tongues and haven't been feeding on the word and haven't been going to church because he knows if you haven't been doing those good things you're more prone to fall for these bad things. Come on, he that knows to do good and doesn't do it, to him it's sin. This is a powerful, life-saving word that you're hearing tonight, church. I know I say this quite frequently, but we know as a fact that there are 
born again, saved believers in prison tonight because they were not spirit-filled the morning of the crime. Being a spirit-filled Christian doesn't mean you had an experience four years ago and you spoke in tongues four years ago. That's called initially receiving the baptism of the Holy Spirit and being filled with the Spirit. But did you know, just like you got to eat food every day and drink water every day, you got to be filled with the Spirit every day because you leak. You, uh, you use energy. You use the power that you got the last time you got filled. And we have to learn to go beyond an initial experience four years ago or whenever to maintaining a daily Spirit-filled life. If you want to live in, you know, I'm going to show you tonight from the scriptures that God never intended and God never planned that the church just be saved. You read the book of Acts, you can see that was never. Do you know, God gave us Jesus. But God also gave us another person. He gave us the Holy Spirit. And God never intended that the church, you know, that's supposed to preach the gospel to all the world and, and set people free from demon powers and, and bring life to, to where people are dying and light in darkness. He never intended us to do that without the power and the infilling of the Holy Spirit. We really can't even fully do what the Lord's called us to do if we don't receive what He told us to receive so we'd be able to do what He told us to do. And a lot of Christians have gotten frustrated, given themselves up in certain areas and, and accepted certain lifestyles because they weren't able to get free. Well, it's hard to get free from something that only a spirit-filled Christian has power to get free from. You know, we did a teaching a while back entitled, Clean is Not Enough. You know, you get clean, you get saved, you get clean, your sins are forgiven. But if that's all there was to it, why did he say be filled with the Holy Spirit? How many of you know all we need is Jesus to be saved and go to heaven? How many know all we need is Jesus to be saved and go to heaven? But how many of you know Jesus is not all you need if you want to live in victory and do the full will of God till you get there? That's right. If Jesus was all we needed, why did the Father give us the Holy Spirit? Why was Jesus so excited about us receiving the Holy Spirit? Huh? I, if the Lord gave us His very own Spirit to be filled with, it must be because we need it. We need Him filling us up. Now, let's do this. Turn in your Bible to Ephesians 5. And I'm going to have them put on the screen the J.B. Phillips translation. The J.B. Phillips translation is kind of an interesting translation. Um, Phillips actually... Um, like the turn of the century, 1902 or something like that, he, he, had, he was in charge of a youth group in England. And he needed to, to be able to bring the scriptures to the youth in such a way that where they could understand it and that it was relevant to that group of people. So he had to go to the original Greek manuscripts, because he got everything entirely from the Greek, the Greek uh, Testament, and try to make this, make, help the youth to understand this without all the Elizabeth in English, you know? And so that's where the J.B. Phillips translation comes from. I want you to see the verse 18 in the J.B. Phillips translation. Did I, did I give you that in time back there? You didn't find it? Here's what it says. I'll quote it to you. King James says, 
don't be drunk with wine, wherein is excess, but be filled with the Spirit. Okay, now I, I want to just, I want to say something. Watch out about Holy Spirit replacements. Turning to the world for something that the Holy Spirit said He would do for you and much more. This world's intoxication is a Holy Spirit replacement. It's a cheap substitute. It's a cheap replacement. And it won't do everything you need it to do. And it'll actually bring problems in your life if you're uncontrolled at all in that area. And But why, why would we turn to something that the world turns to when we got something a million times better? Hmm? That's a good question, isn't it? So the J.B. Phillips translation says this. Don't get your stimulus from wine. Let the Spirit stimulate your souls by being filled with the Spirit. Isn't that good? Don't get your stimulus from wine. But let the Spirit of God stimulate your souls. Do we have something better than the world? Yes, we do. And this scripture right here tells us in the King James, don't be drunk with wine. Why? Because you don't have to. And how many know being drunk with wine is doing something the Lord told you not to do? People say, oh God, I don't know why I have all these problems. As they're getting drunk and they, and they don't realize that it, these problems aren't coming from the Lord. You're, you're opening yourself up to things that the Lord doesn't want you to have by doing things He told you not to do. Do you realize when God tells us not to do something... It's because He loves us and He knows the, the beginning from the end. Right? He knows what's going to happen if we keep going a certain direction. And He doesn't want us hurt. He's a good Father. He cares for us. All His commandments are an expression of His compassion for us. He's not a mean God just trying to be Lord and make you do... He loves you. He cares about you. He knows what works. He knows what doesn't work. And so this scripture tells us, Don't be drunk with wine, wherein is excess but be filled with the Spirit. So, who's Paul writing to? Somebody says, well, I'm born again. I'm filled with the Spirit. It must be a different thing, though. He's writing to born-again people. He's writing to the entire church at Ephesus, and he's saying, be filled with the Spirit. I know we've gone over these things, but Jesus really wants us to get this, guys. He's writing to a bunch of born-again believers who had an experience of being filled with the Spirit in Acts chapter 19, and he's telling them, be filled with the Spirit. So, that's a good question for every born-again believer on the planet today. Are you filled with the Spirit since you believed? Are you filled with the Holy Spirit since you believed? That's a really good question because a lot of people think they're filled and they're not. They're saved, they're going to heaven, but they're not filled with the Spirit. You know, the more you study these things, the more you're going to be able to recognize signs of being filled with the Spirit and signs of not being filled with the Spirit. They're signs. It must be recognizable to be filled with the Spirit because the early church had a problem come up in the church and Peter said, you guys need to look out among you seven men of honest report, full of the Holy Ghost and wisdom whom we may appoint over this business of helping people in the daily administration, clothing and food and things like that. Well, he told them, look for people that are filled with the Holy Spirit. Interesting, but when it comes to church positions at times, being saved is not enough to qualify you to work in the New Testament church. He didn't say, all you got to do is find somebody saved and, and that they're good at this. He said, they need to be full of the Holy Ghost and wisdom as well as a good reputation. But if it's, 
If it's not recognizable, then what do you think they'd go looking for? Okay, Peter, John, James, you told us to go look for seven men of honest report, full of the Holy Ghost and wisdom. What were they looking for? How could you tell if they were full of the Holy Ghost? Well, there must be something different about it. How would you know if they were filled or not filled? I know this in my personal testimony of the church here. The Lord quickens me, especially for certain positions in the church, staff position, higher level than maybe just uh, others. But the Lord, the Lord prompts me toward people who are filled with the Spirit, not just toward people who are naturally qualified. And there's reasons for certain positions. You have to be filled with the Spirit in certain positions in a church or the devil will pick you off. This is not like a natural corporation. There's things you have to be on guard for. There's things that will try to come your way and to mess up the work of God. And I know I've not been prompted in my spirit. And a lot of times it also deals with the spouse. A lot of times you'll be prompted or not prompted in certain positions in the church because the spouse maybe is not quite where they should be. And the First Timothy chapter 3 talks a lot about that. But anyway, I wanted to say this. The Bible tells us to be filled with the Spirit. He's speaking to born-again Christians who at one time were filled with the Holy Spirit and spoke with tongues. Showing us He's not just talking about having an experience. He's talking about maintaining a certain filled lifestyle. Huge deal, church. Huge deal. Huge deal. I want to submit to you, if we would all live a Spirit-filled life, not one empty chair would be in this building in a couple months from now. Because when you're filled with the Spirit, your wants change. Your priorities change. The things of God are the most important to you. All you want to do is think about the things of God and do things for the Lord. And that's why it's frustrating for pastors at times to preach all these amazing sermons to stir the church up to do certain things, but he's talking to a bunch of people that aren't even filled with the Spirit, so they're not even going to want to do them. But when you're filled with the Spirit, when you're maintaining a Spirit-filled life, you want to do the things of God. You have no problem going the extra mile. You want to pray. You want to do things. You want to bring people to church. And how many know if you have a want to, well, you're nine-tenths there. Yeah. Right? A lot of times people just don't want to do what the Lord wants them to do because they're not filled with the Holy Spirit. They're not stirred up. They don't have the ability. They don't want to. And it's all like duty. But when you're maintaining a spirit-filled life, now it's not duty, now it's delight. Can I get an amen? All right, turn to Acts chapter 1. I made a statement just a few minutes ago that God never intended or planned that the church would only be saved, born again. It has always been his plan from the beginning of the church that not only are his people saved, but that they're filled with the Holy Spirit. I mentioned to you two weeks ago about something Brother Hagin said when he had that vision of the Lord in 1987. At early in the morning, like at 2 or 3 in the morning, for three hours the Lord appeared to him and took Brother Hagin above the Tulsa Convention Center and showed him the upcoming meetings in a week showed him the future, how things were panning out, and the Lord had some correction for the church, and he told the prophet of God that these are some of the things the church needs to work on. And somebody asked him after that vision and said, Brother Hagin, did the Lord emphasize anything above everything else? He goes, absolutely he did. 
He said, that's what we'll be discussing in this chapter. And if you read the book, Plans, Purposes, and Pursuits, it's under the chapter, uh, Be Filled Speaking. And he said, the Lord emphasized more than anything else in that three-hour visitation. Quote, Jesus said, quote, It is my plan under the new covenant that every believer be filled with the Holy Spirit. Now, when I heard that, it says, it says well, yeah, I started to say, there must be more to that than I think. So I better start digging into this. If the head of the church told the prophet of God to tell the church that the emphasis of the day is this, quote, it is my plan, Jesus said, under the new covenant that every believer not only be born of the spirit, but they be filled with the spirit. Then that makes me very interested in what it means to be filled with the Spirit and what it means to live a Spirit-filled life. I'm going to say it again. There's believers all over falling left and right in these days. Falling for lust and falling for addictions and falling for all this stuff. And we're thinking, man, I can't believe they're lusting out. Man, I can't believe they're getting drunk all the time. Man, I can't believe they're sleeping around all the time. What we need to be thinking about is why aren't they filled with the Spirit? Because if they were filled with the Spirit, these other things would start to dry up. You know why a lot, of, a lot of Christians have problems in their life? You know, addictions and lust and, and fears. and oppre- You know why a lot of Christians have problems in their life? Because they have room for those problems. They're empty. They're clean, but they're empty. Well, we, were never, we weren't cleaned just to be clean. We were clean to be filled. Yes, yes. Clean to be filled. Yes. So let me say this again. Jesus said when an unclean spirit goes out of a man... That spirit walks through dry places seeking rest and finding none. And Jesus is narrating here. He said, but then that spirit goes back to the house of the person he came out of and finds that person empty, clean, swept, garnished, clean, all swept, clean, but empty. And the spirit says, hey, to seven other spirits more wicked than themselves. And they all come in there. And now all seven, now all eight of them are in that man. And Jesus said, the last state of the man is worse than the first. So say this with me. Clean Clean. is not enough. enough. Anybody thankful for being clean? Oh, glory to God, it's good to be clean. Are you kidding me? That two-ton weight rolling off your back? No more condemnation. You're clean. You're free. But why are you clean? There's another reason you're clean, and it's a huge deal. You're clean so the Holy Spirit can fill you. You can't put... New wine in old wineskins. You are a new wineskin. You are a new creature in Christ. And now that you are, now the new wine or the Holy Spirit can come live inside of you. Because you can, you're a proper dwelling place for Him. So number one, the Lord's got to get you saved and cleaned up. And number two, it's for the purpose of being filled with the Spirit of God. And we need to talk about how to get filled and how to stay filled on a daily basis. Let me just say this to you. The first initial overflow of being filled with the Holy Spirit is speaking in tongues, speaking from your heart, prophesying, magnifying God, not from here, but from here. Something happens in here when you're filled with the Holy Spirit, not here. Now, what happens in here affects your mind and helps it to be renewed and so on and so forth. But one of the ways to stay filled with the Spirit is to keep speaking in tongues, keep feeding on the Word, and keep going to church. 
Now, those three things I just said right there are way more powerful than your brain realizes right now. Continu- continuing to speak in tongues on a daily basis, reading your Bible and feeding on good sermons regularly, and going to church and being part of a local church, that, what I just said to you, is life-saving. Absolutely life-saving. Many people are just flat out not ready for the pressures of life, and they could have been. Many people are, are not ready for the temptations, and they could have been. A lot of times the Holy Spirit will deal with you about these, upping, upping your focus on these three areas when it doesn't look like you need to. But now the Holy Spirit sees around the corner. He knows the future. He knows the challenges that are coming your way. He knows what the devil's got planned. He knows the storms that are going to try to come your way. And he's trying to get you ready. So don't think that just because the skies are blue, that you may not need to up your word time a little, or up your church time a little, or up your prayer time a little. Because if you have an unction to do that, to increase in these areas, you need to yield to it. I've been pastoring for over 32 years now. And we've seen people fall. We've seen people destroyed. We've seen marriages busted up. We've seen people die young. And a lot of it is attributed to the fact that they just weren't ready for the storms of life. It's hit us off guard at times. We weren't ready for some things that came our way. We didn't see total victory like we wished we would have. But we were learning more and more as we go. The Lord knows the future. He knows what's coming your way. And if we'll just listen to Him, we will be totally ready and we will overcome. Okay, now why, why are you guys looking like you're mad at me here tonight? Is this not good? Should I preach on something else? Turn with me to Acts 1. Look at verse 4 through 8. God never intended or planned that the church should be only saved. Everybody say two experiences. Two experiences. Say two experiences. two experiences. There are two New Testament experiences that we all need to be a part of if we want to live a successful, victorious Christian life and fulfill our high call. One of them is get born again, get saved, get off the road to hell, come into the family of God by receiving Jesus as Lord and Savior. Number two, get filled with the Spirit and maintain a Spirit-filled life. So important. Acts chapter 1, look at verse 4 through 8. Being assembled together, this is after Jesus had risen from the dead, but he had not yet ascended to the Father. And being assembled together with them, Jesus was with his disciples, commanded them that they should not depart from Jerusalem, but wait for the promise of the Father, which he said, you have heard of me. So here we have Jesus saying, don't leave Jerusalem until you have power. He'd already told them to go into all the world and preach the gospel. But he said, don't go until something happens to you. I mean, the Lord told him, go to all the world and preach the gospel. But here he's saying, don't do anything until you receive the promise of the Father, which saith he, you've heard of me. Next verse. For John truly baptized with water, Jesus said, but you shall be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. So that's what he's talking about. Wait until you're baptized with the Holy Spirit, then go turn the world upside down. Right? Right? Now we've had a problem. A lot of people have tried to turn the world upside down without being filled with the Spirit. But here he said, before you go do anything, 
Get the power you need to do it with. Be baptized with the Holy Ghost not many days from now. Next verse. When they therefore were come together. See, something else was on their mind. Kind of like a lot of the church today. You know, Holy Ghost, that's great. But Lord, I got a bigger question. I, I got a really big question. Um, uh, 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 will you at this time again restore the kingdom to Israel? I mean, Jesus said, guys, I want to talk to you about the Holy Spirit here. And they're going, well, Lord, that's exciting. But uh, could you talk? Let's talk about something else. How many know if the Lord wants to talk about the Holy Spirit and being filled with the Holy Spirit? We need to take that as a very high priority. Yeah. No matter what we feel, or what we're curious about or what. They're saying, OK, Lord, yeah, the Holy Ghost, that's cool. Power, great, wonderful. Wait, yeah, uh huh, cool, nice, nice. But Lord, we got a more important question for you. Will you at this time restore again the kingdom to Israel? And Jesus is patient. Next verse. He said to them, it's not for you to know the times or the seasons which the Father's put in his own power. Boom, right back to the Holy Ghost. But you shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost has come upon you. And you shall be witnesses unto me, both in Jerusalem, Judea, and Samaria, and unto the uttermost parts of the earth. See, they tried to get on a different subject, and the Lord put them right back. We need to talk about the Holy Spirit, guys. This is the most important thing you need to hear right now. Holy Spirit. Praise God for restoration of all things. Praise God for these end time events. But the most important thing right now is you need to receive power to do what I need you to do. Now, if Jesus needed to be filled with the Holy Spirit before his ministry could be what it was supposed to be, if the early church needed the infilling of the Holy Spirit before they could do effectively what God called them to do, if Paul the Apostle needed the infilling of the Holy Spirit, Acts chapter 9, before he could do what he was called to do, why do we think we don't? And if you read the book of Acts, man, I'm telling you, it, it said they got filled in Acts chapter 2, and they got filled again in Acts chapter 4. What's he talking about? He's talking about maintaining a spirit-filled life, not just having an experience that you can point back to and say, oh, I, I'm a spirit-filled Christian. You know, nine years ago, they laid hands on me, and the Holy Ghost came upon me, and I spoke in tongues. I'm a spirit-filled Christian. Well, you had a spirit-filled experience, but that doesn't mean you're living a spirit-filled life. Even in the book of Acts, it doesn't record it that way. They were filled in Acts chapter 2, and then they were filled again in Acts chapter 4. They were filled again in Acts chapter 5. Why? Because you use up energy spiritually. Maintaining a spirit-filled life is maintaining on-fire fellowship with God in prayer, pouring in the Word through sermons and teachings and reading the Bible, hooking up with the local church. Let me tell you how you can tell what you're filled with. You ready? Here's a really good way to tell what you're filled with at any given time during the week. You ready? Whatever you want to talk about the most is what you're filled with at that time. Let me tell you why. You ready? Jesus said, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. Whatever you want to talk about the most is what you're filled with at that moment. If you always want to talk about sports, that's what you're filled with at the moment. You're filled with sports. If all you want to talk about is the latest movies at that moment, that's what you're filled with, is, is some kind of influence concerning the latest movies. When you're filled with the Holy Spirit, you know what you want to talk about? Powers of the world to come. Angels. End times. Glory. Getting people saved. Rewards in heaven. Right? Gifts of the Spirit. Plan of God. Heavenly vision. 
your part in the work the Lord's called you to. You can tell what you're filled with by what you want to talk about the most. Nothing wrong with seeing movies. Nothing wrong with sports. But we're supposed to be maintaining a spirit-filled life. If, we should get it, if we're going to be excited and talking about anything, it should be the things of God. And the things of God are not old-fashioned. Okay? And the devil is a liar. He's going to say, he can say, if you really live a spirit-filled life, you won't like it. Now, the devil himself knows that's not true. You're going to love it. He, but he's a liar. He can't tell the truth. But he's constantly trying to tell people you're not going to like it if you really go all the way for God. Tell the devil to shut up. I think I need some more teaching on the devil and demons because a lot of people are just still yielding to things they shouldn't be yielding to. I know I um, recently was debating whether I should put this post on one of the social media sites. And um, I, I went ahead and did it today. It's not on Facebook, but um, I really felt led to put on, on uh, one of these social media sites. Uh, there was this picture of this man and this wife having a really good time on a bicycle. And just. And I, what did it say, Carla? It said, don't let the devil convince you that you don't love your spouse anymore. You know how many times I've heard that? Being a pastor, Christians, believers. Well, I just don't love them anymore. And they get divorced. Do you know how many times I've heard that? Do you know what that is? That's the devil lying to people that you don't love somebody anymore because you just don't have a little feeling for them anymore. Amen? I mean, the devil has destroyed more marriages and selfishness has destroyed more marriages than anything. When did we... That's, that's a whole other teaching. Love is not about emotion. It's about devotion. And when you grow up, you understand these things. Now, I'm just going to say this calmly and nicely, but a lot of people's answer to how to get out of my problems, what can I do to get free, it's not what they're going to want to hear, but it'll save their life if they really listen to it. A lot of people's answers to their problems is this. Grow up and stop messing up. <laughs> Grow up and stop it. But pastor, I can't. If that's true, you're demon-possessed. And you're not demon-possessed. Most people are not demon-possessed. They just, they're, just, they're just still wanting to yield to the flesh and they don't want to suffer the pain of discipline but they will suffer the pain or regret if they don't get discipline, which is worse than discipline. Right. you got to choose your pain, discipline or regret. You can't get out of that. Right. Discipline's a lot better than regret. Yep. Is that too hard for a Wednesday night? So you're going to go out after this, the village inn or something, they're going to say, well, what would you hear in church tonight? Well, my pastor said to grow up and stop it. <laughs> Could be the best thing you ever heard in your life. Right. You know what? You're stronger than you think you are, and you have more power than you think you have. I know we've got people in this room struggle with addictions. I've been there myself. I know what it's like. We've struggled with addictions. But friend, I've learned this over the years, that anybody can get free. And a, and a lot of deliverance comes from growing up. Deliverance through growing up. Do you know why a lot of people never get deliverance? Because they get to a certain level of growth in their spiritual life and they never grow beyond that. 
There's no limit to how strong you can get in the Lord. I know that may sound like I don't care, but I care more than you think. Anybody see that Bob Newhart thing on Facebook, on YouTube, where the person comes in for her counseling and she's all freaked out because she's, she's got this phobia in her life that she's afraid she's going to be buried alive in a box and I'm afraid I'm going to be buried alive in a box. He tells, tells the psychiatrist, I'm afraid I'm going to be buried alive in a box. I, I, just, I see myself being buried alive in a box and I just need help. And the guy says, stop it! <laughs> stop what? Stop seeing yourself buried alive in a box! Ding! Quit it! And she's like, but I have problems. She says, stop it. <laughs> There's a revelation there the church needs to get. That's a good word. Stop it. But, you know, a lot of people don't know about deliverance. They don't know their authority in Christ. They don't know that they can use the name of Jesus powerfully against these things that are coming against them. And I think, you know, churches are going to be accountable for you know, not preaching these things, maybe because it rocked a few boats or caused a few people to leave. But I, I decided a long time ago, I'm going to say what the Lord tells me to say, whether anybody likes it or not. Because the Lord knows my heart. I just want to help people. But sometimes, even the Lord said things that didn't feel good. How, how, what would you think tonight if I came in here and said, um, I have something against y'all. Now, you're doing good in some of these areas. You're doing good over here. you got some things going over. That's great. That's wonderful. But i got somewhat against you. You're lukewarm. And because you are, I'm going to spew you out of my mouth. Did the Lord say this to the church in the book of Revelation? He did. He said, if you don't get your act together, I'm going to remove your candlestick. What's he saying? He's saying, listen, I'm saying some things to you right now that you need to hear and believe me, you'd rather hurt in church than hit a devil's brick wall out there because you didn't listen. How many would rather be hurt by words than some crazy attack of the devil out there? How many would rather be hurt by words in church than some terrible accident somewhere because you didn't listen to the Lord? You'd rather be hurt by words? So we need to be thankful for words like this in church because it could be stirring us away from something terrible outside these four walls. Hope you don't just come to church to hear feel-good sermons. That'd be like eating ice cream every day for all your meals, right? Quickly, because I've got to close here. I want you to turn to Jude. It's one chapter. Go to the book of Jude. God wants you filled. Everybody say, God wants me filled. Now, if God wants us filled, then what should we want? <laughs> we should want to be filled ourselves. We already looked at Ephesians 5.18. So go with me now to Jude and go ahead and start with the first verse. And we're going to bounce to a couple other verses here. I'm going to share this in closing. Now, listen, listen closely, church. When I got filled with the Holy Spirit, I got initially filled with the Holy Spirit when the leaders of the church laid hands on me many, many years ago, decades ago. And I didn't have half the teaching that we have today, so I was still kind of struggling and speaking in tongues and all this. But um, I got filled with the Holy Spirit. It must have been 1984 or something like that, 1984 or 1985. And that was my initial filling of the Holy Spirit. From that time, though, 
in order for me to stay filled and maintain a spirit-filled life, I had to realize I got to speak in tongues every day. Pray to the Father every day from here, not just here. I had to be a part of a local church on a regular basis. I had to read my Bible every day. These are things you do to stay filled with the Spirit. You can tell when you're reaching the Spirit-filled level in these areas because now it's like, I don't want to stop praying. Golly, I wish I had another half hour to pray, but I got to get to work. That's a sign you prayed yourself into a Spirit-filled level. Or you're reading your Bible and you're, you're reading going, man, I wish I had another 15 minutes. I want to read the next chapter too, but oh, I've got to get to work. That's a sign you're, you're living a spirit-filled life. But if it's always like, oh, hurry up, man. I've got to hurry up and get this prayer time over. Ooh, got to hurry up and get this. Got to hurry up and get this word time over. Oh, I'll go do my duty at church and then I go do. That's a sign that you're not there. When you're filled with the Spirit, it's enjoyable. What is? What the Lord wants you to do. It's enjoyable. You actually like it. Everything goes from I got to to I get to. I, I got to go to church. When you're filled with the Spirit, you get to go to church. Well, I know I got to give something in the offering. Well, that's a sign you're not filled with the Spirit. When you're filled with the Spirit, you get to give. It's fun to you. You like it. Jude 8. Let me read you a couple things here. This, is talk, this whole book is talking about the last days. And he said in the book of Jude, he's talking about a group of people in the last days, the days we're living in, actually infiltrating in churches. He says, this group of people, they are filthy dreamers. They defile the flesh. They despise authority. Just, just don't like to submit. Just nobody's going to tell me what to do. This is a sign of the end times of a certain group of people. They despise dominion. And, you know, even in a natural realm, how many of you know, no matter who's president, we're Christians, and we pray, and we don't gossip? Now, if you're only a Democrat or only a Republican, you, you probably fall into some of these things, but we're not supposed to despise any dominion. You may not agree, but you definitely are not called to criticize or judge, because there's a ton of scriptures that tell us to not speak evil of the leaders of our people. It, it, it just it freaks me out to see people... Just not praying like the Lord told him to, but doing the opposite and just spewing out all kinds, speaking evil of the leaders of the people. You may not agree with this president or the former president. That doesn't matter. We're believers. We pray for whoever's in office. We pray for whoever's in office. We're Christians way before we're Republican or Democrat. But it says that in the last days there'd be these people, they're filthy dreamers, they defile the flesh, they despise dominion, and they speak evil of dignities. That is not a good thing. All right? Go, do you have all the verses I gave you back there, Debbie? I don't know if I... Verse 12. These are spots in your feasts of charity. So they were in the church. When they feast with you, feeding themselves without fear, clouds they are without water, carried about of winds, Trees whose fruit withers without fruit, twice dead, plucked up by the roots. Um, read verse 13. Raging waves of the sea they are, foaming out their own shame, wandering stars to whom is reserved the blackness of darkness forever. Verse 16. These are murmurers. This is, this is a company you don't want to be in. All right. All these things we're reading here. Now, we're going to see here in just a second that all these things these people are involved with are signs of not having the Spirit of God in their life. 
Murmurers, complainers walking after their own lust, their mouth speaks great swelling words, having men's persons in admiration, in other words, kissing up to people for wrong reasons, because of advantage. They, they know they can get advantage out of it. These be they who separate themselves, sensual, having not the Spirit. See, there, there's things that will have an advantage over you if you're not living a Spirit-filled life. Certain temptations will overwhelm you. Certain things in here you'll slip into. Do you, do you realize you can't be filled with the Holy Ghost and a complainer at the same time? You can't be filled with the Holy Spirit and a murmurer at the same time. You can't be filled with the Holy Spirit and lusting out 24-7. These things may try to come your way, but when you're filled with the Spirit, you are above it. Being filled with the Spirit tweaks your will as well as gives you ability to live above these things. This is so important because a lot of people today in the church are falling for these things for one simple reason. They're empty. They're not filled with the Spirit. They don't have the strength to resist when the enemy comes against them with temptations. When the desires of the flesh rise up, they're right in the middle of it instead of above it by living a Spirit-filled life. Okay, so let's just say this. This is not us. Everybody say, none of these things are us, right? Say this, no more complaining, no more murmuring, no more talking evil of leaders, huh? No more sensuality, no more lust, right? Why? Next verse. But you, beloved, you're up above this, right? Building up yourselves on your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Ghost. That means praying in tongues. You can cross-reference it with other scriptures. How many want to be above all this stuff in the last days? Church, listen, it's not hard. It's not weird. The devil's a liar. Being filled with the Spirit mixes perfect with your profession, with your career, with your family, with your life. Carl and I are some of the most down-to-earth people we know. <laughs> and we still are, we are filled with the Holy Ghost. We speak in tongues. We don't push it off on anybody. We don't just go publicly doing all this stuff. But we pray in tongues every day. We've, we've gotten through things. Our life is amazing. We, we, we can hang out with the worldliest of the worldliest and, you know, be an influence to them and lead them to Jesus, bring them to church. And a lot of it's because we learn how to live a spirit-filled life. This is not just for preachers. This is not just for pastors. It's for every believer on this planet to live a spirit-filled life. If the Lord said this is the number one thing He wants the church to hear, then He's going to tell us what it means. So maintain a spirit-filled life. Hook up with the church. Serve, if you can all possibly serve. Pray in tongues. Read your Bible. Don't just wait till Sunday and Wednesday to hear a good word. Throw in a good CD once in a while. Or hear an MP3 of our services or Keith Moore or somebody of like precious faith. Stay filled with the Holy Ghost because things will subtly creep in if you don't. And pretty soon you'll be going, why did that happen to me? And you might have to go, you know what, Lord? The reason I tripped up, the reason I dealt with that wrongly is because I wasn't filled with the Holy Ghost like I should have been. I would have been way above it if I would have lived a Spirit-filled life. So how about we all just say this? Stand up with me. Say this with me. Jesus, Jesus forgive, me forgive me if I have not, I have not maintained, maintained a Spirit-filled life. 